Welcome to the busy Latter-day Saint, where righteous desires and living life come together. Here, members of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints discuss their challenges and successes in studying the scriptures. I'm your host, Richard Bernard. Before we hear from our guest, I encourage you to subscribe to this podcast and leave comments. This will help the podcast in reaching a larger audience. Also, invite your friends to listen. Information on how to reach me and a link to my website are in the show notes. The music for this program is by Marvin Goldstein and used with his permission. And now, today's interview. Well, Sarah, welcome. How are you doing today? Well, thank you so much for having me on. I'm having a good day. I'm really looking forward to talking to you uh, because of your position. Um, And so what I'm going to do here is I'm not going to introduce you. I'll just have you introduce yourself and share with us whatever information about you, you you wish to share. Great. Well, well, my name is Sarah Jane Weaver. I am the editor of the Church News. I have worked at the, tw- at the Church News for 25 years now. Um, I attended BYU and was involved in the student newspaper there and uh, have found great joy in recording the words of the leaders of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints over the last decade and a half. Well, I like I said, I would love to sit down with you just for a few hours and hear some of the stories. I, I know there's some things I've read that you have published um, about these, uh, your your adventures um, and time with the, uh, the leaders of our church. Now, do you travel very often? I, I know we have COVID, but if we didn't have COVID, do you travel very often? I, uh, uh, as you mentioned, we've not, I have not traveled at all, um, since COVID, uh, early in my career, I traveled a little in, in recent years, I have traveled more, um, because I was part of the media team, uh, that traveled, um, and covered president Russell M. Nelson's global ministry. And so, uh, that was, that was quite a lot of travel. Actually, he, um, in, in his first two years as president of the church, he visited 32 nations and territories. Wow. Not just, <laughs> and, and this is no young man. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, he was young when he started. He was 93. Uh, he just celebrated his 96th birthday. Wow. That's just Unbelievable. And he just, you know, I'm comparing him with my father-in-law, um, Serge Woodruff, who just passed away this year when he was 93. And I look at President Nelson, I keep thinking he's in his 70s. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, he has more energy than most of the people on the media team that, that cover him. So uh, we're, we're frequently tired and we're always amazed um, by his stamina. Wow. It just, it, it does amaze me. I just can't get over every time I see him or I hear him speak. Of I, I have to keep reminding myself of his age because it just doesn't seem that that is um, how old he really is. Now, yeah, his, you, his yeah. wife, Sister Wendy Nelson, uh, she says she's highly suspicious of his birth certificate. <laughs> so you're not the only one. 
<laughs> you know, I think I've heard that quote somewhere. Yes, um, that that she <laughs> that she's not sure he's quite as old as he claims to be. Now you went to BYU and you were on the uh, the, the the staff there. Um, when you first started with Church News, what was your position? I started as a reporter with the Church News in 1995. Um, over the years, I have covered church education and welfare services. Uh, my favorite things to cover have been temple dedications for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. They're, they're a really special time when people are excited, when the growth and their efforts have, have sort of culminated to where the church can put a temple in their area. And it, it's sort of a, a beautiful time when, when heaven and earth meet and people get to celebrate. Yes, I, I've been at a few uh, dedications uh, myself, and I agree. There's just a special spirit, and there's an air of just being there, and, and, and you can feel it. You can really, really feel it. Now, what do you do when you're not working? Well, uh, I am married. I have three daughters. My, um, my oldest daughter returned from a mission to Honduras last year and is at BYU, uh, I have a, a, a second daughter who just completed home MTC, which was a great blessing for our family. And um, she is in the Cincinnati, Ohio mission um, and loving it. And we have a third daughter in high school. Now, the home MTC I, I worked at, and in fact, I served my mission at the MTC um, just a few years ago, but I also worked at the MTC. Um, how does it work when they're home and it's an MTC? So MTC at home is is a very unique experience. Um, they are assigned a district. That district is a virtual district. My daughter's district had seven elders and two sisters, and they um, are together as a district somewhere between six and eight hours a day. And then the rest of the stuff uh, sort of is substituted um, in, you know, by family. And so we we were actually dreading the experience of home MTC. We weren't sure that we could pull it off. Um, and and I wish we had glimpsed at the beginning of that experience how actually beautiful it would be because we learned we learned a lot of lessons through that. Um, you know, we learned that the MTC, whether it's virtual or in person, is a place of joy. I would often walk in and see my daughter with her companions, and they would be laughing and having a good time. I was surprised that they connected virtually and became friends. Um, you know, one day they recorded primary songs that they put on Facebook, and one elder even broke out an accordion. Um, you know, I... I was surprised that the MTC, even even home MTC, was such a great place of learning. You know, we uh, a lot of learning took place. A lot of language skills were developed. My my daughter had studied French in high school, and she'd studied American Sign Language at BYU, and she was called to to serve in Brazil. So at home MTC, she was she was learning Portuguese. Uh, she she's currently on a reassignment to Ohio. Um, she may or may not make it to Brazil, but she, she in in her home MTC experience she she learned Portuguese and it 
it it it was great. Um, I was surprised that those young people who are called to serve missions were were people of of they exhibited such great faith. Um, you know, when when my daughter opened her mission call, I actually thought. Um, I, I wondered, you know, she opened the mission call and she, she read, you know, that she was called to Fortaleza, Brazil and, and COVID had already, uh, accelerated across the church and the world. And there were so many restrictions and, and I thought, isn't that interesting that the church would, would give her a call, extend a call to her where she cannot currently serve and to study a language that she would have to do with technology, um, you know, one of the senior church leaders said that kind of faith is emotionally exhausting. And yet my daughter didn't seem bugged at it by all. She and all the other missionaries in her home MTC just just moved forward with great amount of faith. Um, and so uh, and maybe that's what brings us to the last thing I learned in home MTC is that it's it really was a place of hope and it it was a, a place of learning and it was a place that was sacred. You know, each of these nine young people ended up going to the temple um, while they were on home MTC. This was a in time of, of a phased reopening of temples. So uh, they just went with a few select members of their family, but they were grateful to be there and they were excited. One, one of the elders in her district was from central Utah and he drove up with his parents and the church opened the Jordan River Temple. Now the Jordan River Temple is like the fourth largest temple in the church. And yet in that day it was just open to these, you know, this this amazing young elder and his parents. And um, so so I don't know if that answers your question, but, but we loved our home MTC experience. We found it to be uh, spiritually strengthening to our family and, and um, really something that gave us a lot of hope. Well, as I heard you speak about that, I reflected back to my time in the MTC, and it sounded like you were describing that you were living at the MTC. Uh, the, I, I guess the only thing that you did you didn't include in there is the cafeteria and the food. <laughs> but, um, but I'm hoping the the food at home MTC was a little better. We we tried to make it a little better. <laughs> well, uh, you know that's interesting. The cafeteria at the MTC there was there were some that just loved it, and there were some that just dreaded it. And I certainly had my share of eating there. But getting back to the spirit, uh, you can't deny the spirit when you're at the MTC. It's just so strong. And and seeing, and of course, uh, when I worked there, I was in the um, interpreting department also with American Sign Language. I was the, uh, uh, the chief interpreter there for the American Sign Language. And... Um, it's it, seeing these young people struggle with a language. It didn't matter if it was German or French or American Sign Language, but to see the hope and their eyes were bright. And this is just what you're describing at home. And it's 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 really reassuring uh, to to know that that spirit just it just kind of moved into the homes. Uh, we were at Costco. Uh, last week, I think it was. I think it was at Costco, and we saw um, a couple that were probably in their forties or fifties, and they were with a, an elder, and he was all by himself, but he had his badge on, 
and we figured that um, this was part of a home MTC, and I really got wondering, well, what, what, what's it like? Now, your daughter, does she have to get up at the, just like they have to do at the MTC a certain time and in bed by a certain time? We kept, we kept a missionary schedule, and um, before we started home MTC, we, we sat down, and as a family committed to all do that, so it wasn't just her getting up at the break of dawn all by herself. Um, we actually tried to exercise together. Now, oh. now that came with varying degrees of success, but um, she always had somebody with her when she when because because part of that home MTC was they asked them to get an hour's worth of exercise every day. Oh, okay. And so, so we we never left her to her own devices to do that. Someone was always with her. Uh, uh, actually, home MTC is a mother's dream. Because your teenager, who's who's been, you know, so independent all these years, suddenly had to have a companion all the time, and I, I quite enjoyed being the companion. Well, that that sounds like a wonderful experience. Now, what what does your husband do? Uh, my husband works uh, for a technology company, and um, it's it's been a great mix for our family. He can he's been able to work from home a little bit, um, and always. Uh, when I'm traveling, he's been able to be home so that he can drive the carpools and do what needs to be done. Well, now, with the home MTC, how did uh, scripture study work as a group? You know, we uh, uh, committed to do daily scripture study. Um, we said, let's let's just read from the Book of Mormon every day. Um and we did that uh, starting out thinking, this is, this is the book that you're going to be focusing on mostly in your missionary work. Um, but, but, you know, it's, it's been a great time. We're also uh, studying, uh, we also have our Come Follow Me study. And, um, and what happened pretty quickly with our scripture study for Home MTC was was that we let our missionary sort of lead those discussions. What she was asked to focus on, what she was asked to think about. She often did um, preparation um, where a member of her MTC district would ask a question and she would need to formulate an answer to that. So it was an opportunity for us to explore a lot of gospel topics. Um, and then just thoughtfully study what she was being asked to study in her missionary preparation. And then as far as you individually studying, did you just do it as a group or did you also have individual time? We, we also, you know, all of us try and have our daily scripture study. Uh, my job is, it has provided some unique opportunities for me to look at the scriptures because I cover so many of the devotional addresses and the conference addresses of the brethren. So uh, October conference um, was my 51st general conference um, consecutively that I have covered for the church news. And um, you think of all the years when you're, when you're covering a talk, you look at the words of the, that are, that are being shared by the, by the senior church leaders. And then oftentimes you have to look at the footnotes. Oftentimes you have to break those down and say, what are the invitations? Um, 
uh, oftentimes they reference scriptures. So I have to go to the scriptures and make sure that we're quoting that correctly. And so, so I do have a unique perspective on scripture study because for so many years for me, it, it has come almost side by side. It, it's almost been hard to disconnect it from, uh, from the words of our prophets and apostles and um, officers of the church. Well, now, I know that the uh, talks are given to the interpreters uh, two weeks in advance. Uh, as an editor, then, uh, do you, you have those talks in advance, or you don't hear them until they're actually delivered? Yeah, we, we cover those talks as, as uh, the members of the church would. You know, um, uh, the, we, we do not write anything in the talks. It's not said from the pulpit. And, um, and there is, there's some beautiful ways to break those down. So, so, you know, we can talk about invitations that come from conference. We can talk about directives. We can talk about warnings. Um, uh, in recent months in the church, there's been many, many invitations. You know, you think of, of President Nelson just in the last uh, two conferences of this year. So in, in the year 2020, President Nelson has extended two very, very important and powerful invitations um, to members of the church worldwide. The, the first invitation was, um, you know, from April 2020 General Conference was to hear him. And he did. He asked us to be more intentional in how we hear him. And um, he promised us that we would be blessed with additional power to deal with temptation and to deal with our struggles and our weaknesses if we could learn to hear the voice of the Lord. I, I remember he made promises with those invitations. He said that he promised that miracles would happen in our marriages, in our family relationships, and in our daily work. And um, this was my favorite. He, he promised that our capacity to feel joy would increase. And so, you know, what a, what a beautiful invitation that was. And then in October conference, he, um, he extended another very powerful invitation. He asked us to let God prevail in our, in our life. And um, at that time, he said he uh, had been an apostle for more than three decades. In fact, I think it's 36 years. And that in that time, the doctrine of the gathering of Israel has captured his attention. Um, you know, I, I noticed that in one of the footnotes of that talk, he said that um, he has spoken about Israel in uh, more than 370 of his general conference talks. And I think he said he'd given more than 800 messages in his years as an apostle. Um, but, but in the study, he said he'd uh, learned from two Hebrew scholars that the Hebraic meaning of the word Israel is to let God prevail. And then he asked all of us to be willing to let God prevail in our life. And um, I thought it was beautiful. He said the concept actually stirs his soul. So, yeah, he's, he's issued some, some really profound and beautiful invitations. Well, now, I have to uh, declare my ignorance here on how a newspaper works. I mean, I, I understand the word editor, <laughs> but... <laughs> 
as an editor, do you actually write any articles? What is your what is your role as an editor? Well, I'll I'll tell you this. Um, uh, I don't know how a lot of people do their jobs. I know how I do my job, and my love and my passion is for writing, and so. Um, I have continued to do that, even though it complicates things a little. You know, um, I, I think traditionally, as people move um, through the ranks of a newspaper, they would write less as they became an editor. An editor works with them on concepts and on uh, forming, uh, the, you know, an article, or and then would would edit it on the back end for both. At the Church News, we edit articles for both content. We like to make sure that everything is is contextually accurate and appropriate. Then we edit it for English grammar, spelling, all of that. The Church News is also translated um, into Spanish and Portuguese, so it goes through a process um, of of for language proficiency in those in those two languages, where we where we vet the translations to make sure we're getting a good one. And then the church news is also correlated. Uh, that means we um, send it through the correlation department of the church. The job of the correlation department is to preserve doctrine of the church. Um, it, it is actually something that's really important to us. We're, we're grateful for the correlation process. Um, and it allows the church news to go out with the logo of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints on it. You know, I, I'm thinking here, as you've described all of this, um, I think there's a great lesson in here. And that is, as a writer, um, you have to listen to a conference talk and then go back and read it and study it. But you have to think how you can find a message in there that would be of interest to the readers. And, and to having to do that, it enables you to take a, a different look at maybe how what the talk is about. No, it's it's really interesting. You know, Elder David A. Bednar, he's when he speaks, he often gathers a group of people together. He loves to do this, especially with the young people, and he tells them up front, "It's it's not what I say that matters. It's what the Holy Ghost teaches you that's important in this situation. So I need you to come prepared to listen and to learn." And you'll be amazed at, at what what happens in the process. And um, he he takes that approach because all of us come from different perspectives. We have different issues. We have different problems at any given time. We are at different places in the gospel and in our learning. And um, we we just need to have spiritual instruction that is catered to our own individual circumstances. And, and Elder Bednar has the perfect solution to that. He says, that's the Holy Ghost. And uh, I think that's what happens at General Conference as well. So each of us come, we bring to the table what we have. We each are searching for different uh, questions. And um, in the end, we each have these unique experiences. Now, it, so, so it's really a hard task that the church news has because we have to summarize a conference talk and say what we think is important about it and the the truth of it is is that the the importance is determined by the reader it's determined by the member in their individual circumstances 
And so oftentimes our, our job is impossible because the talk and the theme and the take home from every message will be different. Um, and it will be as different as the individual members of the church. Now, now, so we do our best and often we, we try and pick out the stuff that's the most meaningful to us. And I think we approach that with a great deal of humility or we try to, I remember, um, I think the church learned a great lesson from, from president Nelson when in April, 2017 general conference, he responded to president Thomas S Monson's invitation to read and study the book of Mormon. And he gave a talk on it in that conference. <coughs> Excuse me. And he said that, um, you know, if, if you'll remember president Nelson, I mean, president Monson had challenged us in October of 2016 conference, um, to read the book of Mormon and, and president Nelson, he took that challenge seriously. I mean, here was a man in his nineties who'd been in, uh, been an apostle and a special witness of the savior who had probably read and studied the book of Mormon so many times. And he said, no, the prophets asked me to do this. I'm going to do it. And I'm going to, I'm going to do it with new eyes. And he, um, he talked about making lists and he, and he said he made lists of what the book of Mormon is. He wanted to make it a list about what it affirms and what it refutes. Um, I remember him saying that he wanted um, to think about what the book of Mormon fulfills and clarifies and reveals. And so that is a whole new way to look at the scriptures. That's a new lens um, that probably brought him great insight and inspiration. And I remember in his in his talk in April 2017, which would would be so interesting for your readers to go back and review. Um, but he asked us two really important questions. He said, what would your life be like without the Book of Mormon? And um, what would you not know without the Book of Mormon? Um, and then he said, and what would you not have? So I think each of us have to approach our scripture study from this point of view where we always have something we can learn. It will be individualized for our circumstances, for our times, for our struggles. Um, and uh, we can we can always start fresh and view the scriptures through a new lens. Yes, I, I thoroughly agree. And you mentioned um, Elder Bednar. Um, I can't remember how many times I had to interpret his talk, Character of Christ, which is a talk that he gave for the missionaries. And I believe it was on a Christmas day, if I remember right. And um, every Sunday, that talk was available for the missionaries to uh, listen to, which I began to wonder now, for home MTC, uh, your daughter, did she have access where they showed... Um, these videos that they, they usually there was one by Elder Holland and um, also Elder Bednar. Did they did they get to see these? So in home MTC, the the church and its leaders, and sometimes it was an apostle, sometimes it was another leader. Um, you know, we had members of the seventy or uh, some of our general officers uh, also record messages, um, but. But they had a weekly devotional that they put on the missionary portal. Uh, anyone at home MTC could download that. Um, I think that is how 
we um, all missionaries are getting those those very very important devotional messages right now. Um, I I have also uh, heard Elder Bednar give his character of Christ talk. It's it's powerful. It's important. It's um, probably mission changing for uh, those young elders and sisters that are embarking on a uh, on full time church service and and it gives them all a chance to to ponder not only Christ's characteristics, but how they will incorporate those, how they will learn um, to look outward instead of inward. And, you know, if for the people who haven't heard that talk, Elder Bednar gives several examples of things that are really powerful in his life. And one is that he talks about being a stake president in Arkansas when three teenage um, young women were killed in a car accident. Yes. And, um, you know, he he describes working in his yard and getting uh, those horrible, horrible phone calls that no one wants to get. And and um, he had learned that that uh, one young woman had died and two more were in extremely critical condition. And they asked him to go to the hospital. And he describes uh, how each of the mothers of those three young women looked outward at a time when they were facing such great pain and suffering, um, ultimately each of them losing a precious daughter. And so, you know, I think the scriptures teach us to do that too. There, there are times of great trial in our life and, um, you know, we, we can, we can look inward and feel bad for ourselves or we can look outward and, and draw from our own experiences and figure out what we can learn and um, and that is is probably one of the greatest things that will draw us closer to the Savior and learn to minister as He ministers and be more like Him. Absolutely, uh, that talk. Although again, I heard it <laughs> hundreds of times, um, changed my life. It really did. The very first time I heard it, and then each time I got more and more from it. And you're right. He starts the talk off with, "Don't sit there and write." what I'm saying. Um, uh, he says it's absolutely useless and to uh, to listen to the Spirit and what the message is for them. It's a very powerful talk and uh, I agree with you. It's very life-changing. Well, you personally, how do you approach the Scriptures now? For example, do you use hard copies? Do you use digital copies? Do you take notes? What, exactly how, how do you go about studying the Scriptures yourself? Uh, I, I, at work, everything is digital. Um, we often like to cross link what we do. Um, you know, so if we write an article that has a scripture in it, we like to be able to direct our readers, um, to the actual scripture, uh, church news content is, is published on, uh, the church news official website, which is thechurchnews.com. It's also jointly published on churchofjesuschrist.org. And so we often um, link to other content on both the church's official site and the official church news site. And, um, and then we, we like to link to, to the scriptures so that if someone sees the scripture, they can actually go and read the actual words from the scriptures. Um, when I study the scriptures for my own personal study, I use a hard copy. I like to mark it up, like to, to write in it. And when we do Come Follow Me as a family, uh, I like to use the iPad. 
I like having um, the ability to toggle between um, the recommended learnings for Come Follow Me with the actual scriptures, with um, quotes from the brethren that may be relevant. Uh, we like to, to watch the videos that sometimes accompany those lessons. Yes, and you can use a split. I, I guess you're using the split screen. Yeah, we yeah. just, well... Who knows? I'm, I'm technology is not my best friend. Oh, okay. But we, we get by in our house. All right. Yeah, I uh, that's how I study the scriptures with my iPad, and half of the screen is the, the scripture, and the other half is where I'm writing on using my Apple Pencil. And then that, as I write, that writing is turned into text. So I'm getting the benefits, as I was saying in this morning podcast, that... Um, I've started to learn that by writing and not typing, I tend to retain things better. And so I get the best of both worlds. I write it out and then the iPad just changes it to text and then I can you know, put that text into my journal or wherever I want to do that. Well, Sarah, I've really appreciated the time with you. I've really enjoyed it. And um, we're getting here close to uh, time to end. And I would just, would you mind bearing your testimony in closing? Well, um, you know, when, when I think of the scriptures, when I think of the Book of Mormon, um, when I think of the message of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, often I'm drawn back to a talk that Elder Jeffrey R. Holland gave called Safety for the Soul. And in that talk, he um, spoke of, of Joseph Smith and his brother Hiram going to Carthage and turning to the 12th chapter of Ether in the Book of Mormon. And, and actually reading from that verse and turning down the, the page uh, that they had just read. Um, and, then, and then Elder Holland talks about uh, how important that must have been for these two early leaders, knowing um, that they may be headed towards their death uh, to find solace um, in that book. And um, he said they wouldn't have done it if the book had not been true. They wouldn't have done it if they weren't sealing the books, uh, their testimony of that book with their very lives. Um, He said uh, they wouldn't turn to something that would brand them as imposters or charlatans until the end of time. And I remember him saying they would not do that. They were willing to die rather than than to deny the divine origin and the internal truthfulness of the Book of Mormon. And so I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity we've had today to, to uh, visit about the scriptures because it gives me a chance to add my testimony to Elder Hollins and to Elder Bednar's and to uh, President Nelson's and President Monson's and all the other amazing church leaders that we've talked about today. Um, because the Book of Mormon has, has changed and defined my life I'm grateful for the opportunity to study from its pages, as well as other scriptures. Um, I know that the Savior lived and that he walked the earth and taught his gospel and that uh, Joseph Smith restored his church to the earth again and that it's led by a prophet today. And I say these things in the Savior's name, Jesus Christ, amen. Amen.